Good morning and welcome to Echoes of Calvary. This is your host, Greg Sweeting. Thank you for opening your home to us this morning. I invite you to now open your hearts and worship with us as we share from the Word of God. Stay with us as we share comments and illustrations with a spiritual application, present special music to call us to worship, and in a few minutes, Pastor Alan Lee will come to share insights from Scripture and explain how to apply God's Word that we might grow to be complete in Christ. Songs of Praise on BBC Television is a favourite with my wife. We watch it together almost every week. This past week, the guest artist was Paul Jones, a well-known British singer and performer. He was presented as a former atheist who came to see the truth and gave his heart to Jesus. There was apparently a famous exchange between this Paul Jones and a British icon named Cliff Richardson. As the story goes, it was a quite a bitter exchange with Jones, who pushed his atheism, and Richardson calmly proclaiming his belief in the gospel. I guess the truth of the message registered somehow in Jones's heart, though he wouldn't admit it at the time. But after this heated debate, Richardson apparently called Jones sometime later and invited him to a special meeting where a man called Louis Palau was speaking. He was insistent, and Jones agreed to go. I'm sure you recognize the name Louis Palau, a very effective and respected evangelist. This encounter, where Jones was confronted with the claims of the Lord Jesus, changed his life forever. He gave up his attempt to be an atheist and gave himself over to the God of the universe and continues to serve him these many years later. Jones is an accomplished performer and says he loves the harmonica and demonstrated his talent during this particular broadcast. It was wonderful to hear how God pursued as this wayward artist until he eventually repented and bowed to the majesty of the Savior. It was also encouraging to understand that persistency does pay off. Richardson did not become discouraged and give up on Jones. It was his sincerity and his persistency that kept interest alive and saw an opportunity in the Palau meetings, and it was there that Jones gave his heart to Jesus because Richardson had invited him. So don't give up. What shall it profit a man if he should gain the whole world but lose his soul? The mountains 
ascending. Join our hearts together in love. Join our hearts together in love. For there the Lord has commanded. interview and in between several hymns and songs that made up the broadcast that week, Jones made reference to the effect 
that art played in his eventual conversation and, of course, eventual conversion as well. He says he was particularly drawn to an artist who painted a couple of centuries ago. One of the pieces that this man had painted was shown on the screen. It was a lovely European landscape, but it had a superimposed scene of the crucifixion planted strategically in the scenery. Jones said that loving art as he does, and drawn to this particular artist, with his ability to show God's involvement in everything, including the landscapes he painted, this had a powerful impact on his thinking. He came to realize that he could not really be an atheist. He saw how all this, like a precious tapestry, pointed to the obvious. God made everything. So said another way, even art had pursued him and contributed to his final realization that there is a God and that atheism is truly a dead end, with disastrous consequences, to say the least. His testimony was very inspiring and telling. I was pleased that the BBC aired this Christian program with its poignant message, and I enjoyed the music again this week on the broadcast.
And now with his message for today, here is Senior Pastor Emeritus, Alan Lee. Greetings once again in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for tuning into our program today. Our prayer is that you will be blessed, challenged, and edified as we study the Word of God together. Our purpose and objective is to glorify God by an accurate expositional proclamation of His Word so that we might clearly understand what He is saying to us and then by His grace and enablement to obey that Word of God in our lives. We are studying the Bible's prediction that the days in which we are now living will be characterized by religious deception. In other words, men and women claiming to be shepherds and prophets of God's people will infiltrate the church according to Jesus as well as the apostles. And they will do this to seek to fleece the flock of God for their own selfish, greedy and ungodly purposes. Now today, one of the major ways that this is being done is through what is called the Word of Faith movement. This is a twisting of the Word of God, so that in effect is no longer the Word of God that is being taught, but the Word of man. In doing this, Paul says in Galatians 6 that they are actually preaching another gospel. Now in the court text passage we have studied during the past few messages, Matthew 7 verses 7 through 27, Jesus himself provide specific criteria by which we can discern these false teachers and the teachings that they proclaim, who come to us as genuine preachers of the gospel, but in actual fact are what Jesus himself describes as wolves in sheep's clothing. Jesus says we can determine the difference by examining their fruit. This includes the doctrines they promote, as well as how they handle the word of God. Last time, we gave a few examples of how false teachers distort and twist the Word of God to fit their personal ideas and philosophy, rather than handling the Word of God accurately by doing proper exegesis of the Word of God themselves, that leads them to declaring the message as drawn from the text, rather than imposing a message upon the text. We also surmise that some are probably handling the Word of God in this inaccurate fashion simply because they do not know how to study the Word of God. They simply mimic and parrot what they have read or heard from other false teachers. As I mentioned, this is prevalent among those who adopt what is called the Word of Faith movement today. A basic teaching is that faith is a substance that even God himself has. In fact, this doctrine says that God used this substance when he created the universe, so that the universe was not really created out of nothing, but that it was created out of this substance of faith, which is resident in God's nature according to this false teachings. This teaching does violence to both the nature of God and the nature of faith, according to the Word of God. And it is all because of an inaccurate handling of the Word of God and a false literalization of the biblical text. The specific text that is handled in this way is Hebrews chapter 11, where Jesus says, according to the King James Version, and I quote now, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. End of quote. 
Now, there are several serious problems with this teaching on the substance of faith drawn from this passage. We can only discuss one or two of them at this point. The first concerns the word, which is translated as substance in the King James Version in Hebrews 11. The Greek word is hypostasis, and it doesn't refer to a substance, but to an assurance or confidence. Other versions more accurately translate this verse as being sure of. Now, there are four other occurrences of this word in the Bible. One of them is 2 Corinthians eleven seventeen, and it says, In this self-confident, that's the same word translated substance in Hebrews 11, in this self-confident boasting, I am not talking as the Lord would, but as a fool. That's Paul defending his apostleship. Another reference is 2 Corinthians 9, 4, where Paul says, For if any Macedonians come with me and find you unprepared, we, not to say anything about you, would be ashamed of having been so confident. That's our word again, confident. One more example is in the book of Hebrews itself, chapter 3, verse 14, where the writer says, We have come to share in Christ, if we hold firmly till the end of the confidence, that's the word, that we had at verse. Now, final example is again in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, where the writer says, the sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. Now, this last example where the word being is used is translated person in the King James Version. So it says, the sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his person. Now, here is my point. If it were a valid principle of interpretation to use the common meaning of a word after it has been translated into English, as the word of faith teachers have done with the word hypostasis in its translation as substance, then we would have to accept the following interpretation of the word of faith in Hebrews 11.1. We'd have to say something like this. Now, faith is the person of things hoped for, or... Now, faith is the being of things hoped for. And of course, that does not make sense. Now, another problem with the doctrine of faith being a substance out of which the universe was created concerns the meaning of the word created in Genesis 1.1, where it says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, here is the important thing. The word translated created is the Hebrew word bara which means to create out of nothing. And in fact, this is the only word in the Hebrew language which can actually be used to express this concept. So if the heavens and the earth were created out of a substance, which is God's faith, then the writer of this passage chose the wrong word. But surely the Holy Spirit does not make such mistakes. Therefore, the conclusion is that the doctrine of the substance is a faith must be an error. Let me say it again. The idea then that the doctrine of the substance being faith must be an error. And my whole point of that is saying this. 
a poor and inaccurate approach to biblical interpretation has resulted in an erroneous attempt at literalization which has resulted in nonsensical results that are proclaimed as being the word of God today. Hundreds of thousands of people are being taught that faith is a substance or force which can be used by humans to force God into doing anything which we can believe for as long as we can find an out-of-context passage of Scripture which can speak with the tongue. They are being taught that what we need is not to have faith in God, but rather to have the faith of God ourselves. And that's the error. Being taught that what we need is not to have faith in God, but to have the faith of God itself, ourselves. Now, it is said, if we have this faith, this substance, then we can do what God does. One author says of this false teaching, and I quote, how many people have forfeited their chance at salvation because of foolish teaching such as this? And what of the teachers who teach us? We must be careful to literalize passages in a manner that makes sense and only when that is the intended meaning of the passage itself. Otherwise, we will misinterpret scripture. End of quote. And that's my point. People who are handling the word of God, claiming it to be the word of God, but in actual fact it is not, it is the word of man. And so I say, today in this age of deception and deceivers in which we live, we must have a proper and accurate understanding of the word of God. If we are going to know what to do for the glory of God and the good of his people. We must heed the warning of Jesus and the apostles to carefully discern what we hear being proclaimed as the word of God and like the Bereans to search the scriptures to see if it is so. Now I realize that there's some folk who would say, Pastor Lee, it is not Christian to criticize other professing Christians, especially pastors and teachers. They would say it is not a Christ-like thing to do. Now, my humble response to this charge is that this is precisely what we are commanded to do as authentic preachers of the word of God. In fact, the Apostle Paul even makes this a requirement for a person to become a pastor in the first place. Listen carefully to the words of the inspired Apostle in Titus chapter 1, beginning at verse 5. For this reasons I left you in Crete that you would set an order which remains and appoint elders in every city as I directed you. Namely, if any man is above reproach, the husband of one wife, having children who believe, not accused of dissipation or rebellion, for the overseer must be above reproach as God's steward, not self-willed, not quick-tempered, not addicted to wine, not pugnacious, not fond of sordid gain, but hospitable, loving what is good, sensible, just, devout, self-controlled, holding fast the faithful word which is in accordance with the teaching so that he will be able to both exhort in sound doctrine and to refute those who contradict. For there are many rebellious men, empty talkers and deceivers, especially those of the circumcision, 
the elite religious people of the day, who must be silenced because they are upsetting whole families, teaching things they should not teach for the sake of sordid gain. End of quote. This is a very important passage, my friends. Notice, Paul is saying that a man is only qualified to be a pastor or elder if he's able to both exhort in sound doctrine and to refute those who oppose the truth. This is a necessary and essential part of a pastor's role. If a man does not know the word of God and he is unable to teach sound doctrine as well as to refute those who teach erroneous doctrine, then he does not qualify to be a pastor. This is especially true, I say, in the age of deception and of deceivers in which we live. Now we will see as we go on in this study that Paul even goes to the extent of naming those who teach false doctrine and teach their word for the word of God. It's an important teaching that we're looking at, beloved, and we need to be careful. We need to be discerning. We need to be able to understand the times so that we would be able to know what to do in this age of deception in which we live. As always, this is Pastor Emeritus Alan Lee saying, Sila, think and act on these things. You have been listening to Echoes of Calvary, a radio ministry of Calvary Bible Church in Nassau, Bahamas. Our morning worship service begins this morning at 11 o'clock in the sanctuary located on Collins Avenue. We extend an invitation to you to join us on these occasions. If you would like to contact the church or Pastor Lee, address your letters to Echoes of Calvary, Post Office Box N1684, Nassau, Bahamas. And so we come to an end of this broadcast. I invite you to think about the message this morning. Consider the one who is our Savior and Lord. Grow to be complete in Him. And remember, as echoes from Calvary stir in your heart, keep listening for that shout, Maranatha, the Lord is coming soon. Therefore evermore to stay. Great command is promised, he will surely come again. I am listening every morning, for the mighty trumpet sounds. What a time we'll have together, when the saints shall leave the ground, and our toiling will be happen in a moment, Jesus Christ could come again, I am listening every morning, 
but in a moment, Jesus Christ could come again.